the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa and Nancy with Big Blend Radio, and we are in the Garden of Eden. Where's yes. the Garden of Eden? In or San Jurassic Diego. Park. Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> you can go to South Africa here. It's really cool. You can go to the Canary you, Islands. You can travel around the world at the San yeah. Diego Botanic Garden. You literally can. It's amazing. That's exactly where we are, the San, San Diego Botanical Garden. I'm so used to saying quail gardens. It used but to it's, be. But, yeah. now, but you represent all of San Diego County we and do. the rest of the world right. and we plants. Do. Yeah. How big is the gardens? Well, 37 and a half acres, which isn't huge by some standards of open spaces, of places of natural beauty. But if you think about where we are, we have ocean views. Yeah. We are that close to the ocean here in northern San Diego County. And that means 37 acres is a big piece of property, believe me, because everything is so urbanized here. It's all mm-hmm. built up. Most of it is mm-hmm. gone. Right. And, and walking around, the, we've, oh, okay, let's, let's start with bamboo. Oh, yeah. The bamboo forest. What is the striped bamboo? Well, there are. We have over 130 different kinds of bamboo on display here. And the reason for that is back in 1980, and I'm going way back into the history of the garden now, the American Bamboo Society actually started here at the Venn Quail Botanical Gardens. And we used to have import greenhouses that allowed us to quarantine bamboo. See, bamboo is in the grass family. Mm -hmm, It needs to be quarantined before the Department of Agriculture allows it to be imported into the country or released, if you will, to make sure it doesn't have any disease or any pests. Well, so Mm -hmm. we have still the most diverse collection of bamboo you'll find in any public garden in North America. It's tall. And some of it is truly tall. <laughs> really right. Yeah. Tall. Well, right. Exactly. Going through the bamboo garden, I mean, you feel like you're in a different you know, world. I and mean, today we came when it decided to rain, but we're happy because you need rain in California. <laughs> we certainly yeah. do. And Thanks the plants were very the happy. They were very the happy. Are smiling. We, we come from the desert out to <laughs> California and bring rain. That's how it works well, here. You come back anytime you want. I we know. need the rain. But, you know, I felt, I felt like we were in Asia or some tropical forest, you know, going through there. And then also the rainforest, you know. Yeah. The, well, the bamboo is a very exotic plant when you think about it. And it's not only popular with the general public. In fact, of all the individual gardens that we have, the bamboo garden is one of the ones that rates highest amongst the people's interest when they come here and visit. And uh, But there's no other plant that's like bamboo. It's uniquely mm-hmm. different, right? It's basically, yeah. you can imagine yourself being in a lawn but being miniaturized to ant size, and that's what being amongst in a bamboo forest is like because it is basically a really tall grass. Mm, wow. And then you've also got cycads here, which are We have cycads. You mentioned our rainforest, yeah. too. We have a, a... You know, the garden has really amazing... Uh, different microclimates right. here because first of all we have all the gardens that you'll find practically in North America certainly west of the Mississippi we have the most benign climate it never gets too hot here this is why all the people who live in San Diego too never gets too hot here never gets too cold so in that realm we can grow so many different kinds of things so and then within the garden because we have an east facing slope and a west facing slope we've got all these microclimates that further amplifies the conditions under which plants want to grow in and so yeah we've got a rainforest we've got wonderful desert areas all within 37 yeah. and a half acres is pretty amazing and you've got the ocean you know breezes coming in right. and that yeah. moisture as well right yeah. exactly well we have a major tory pine forest here in fact uh, our tory pines 
look a lot different than the ones at Torrey Pine State Reserve because ours get some irrigation periodically, but they kind of grow in the way Torrey Pines used to grow, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago when that pine tree was probably a lot more common here when the environment here in San Diego area was probably a lot wetter. Are they related to cypress? No, well, they are in the sense that they're related in the sense that they're both conifers, but otherwise, yeah, they're, okay. mm. the, the, the families are very they're cool. separated. Yeah, they are, yeah. They're mm-hmm. cool. They look like the wind shaped them. Yes, I know. right. They're very yeah. sculptured. Yeah, they the are. Pain, they have those know? long grayish needles, too. Mm-hmm. And actually, those long needles on the Torrey Pine actually help serve to provide it moisture because those coastal fogs will come in and the moisture will condense on those leaves and then drip into the root zone of the trees themselves because most pine trees are only found in areas that have a minimum of like 30 inches of annual rainfall. Here we average about 10 and that moisture from the ocean and the long needles on the toy pines are the reason why it's able to exist here. How, How is it that you manage to have a saguaro? Yeah, because I'm looking at that and thinking... You know, actually, I, I'm going to have to just correct you a little bit. It okay. actually isn't a saguaro. It's actually one of the saguaro lookalikes from down oh. in Baja. It's actually a cardone cactus. The saguaro oh. cactus that are... I love the, the forest around Tucson. and, mm, and I mean, the national Saguaro National Monument is one of my favorite places park, to go. Yeah. Now, it, That's it, where we decided to go on our tour of the National Park, oh, sitting there. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a bottle of it's champagne, some, butterflies, oh, and oh, you're blooming You're saguaros. taking me there right now. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love that area. Mm. And But there are some um, very similar columnar giant cactus that are found in Baja. And the Cardone cactus, which is kind of a distant relative of the uh, the saguaro, actually grows quite well here coastally. But the saguaros don't really like it that much this far coast of the, right. the, That's coast, what of the I was coast thinking. Here. I but didn't the realize. Cardones yeah. do. The Cardones. Yeah. So they get big yeah. and branch. They branch a little bit lower than the Saguaros do, but they get giant like that is also in time. Well, I know that wow. you've been down to La Paz and that area because yeah. you do travel trips uh, through the gardens here as fundraisers, right? Well, they're fundraisers, but they're also an extension of our education programs. We like to take people out into the world when we can. Usually it's just folk, you know, featuring the botany of the spaces. In fact, we got a trip that's filled now. We're going to be going to Madagascar in November, and I'm incredibly excited about that. I, yeah, Euphorbia well, heaven. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Exactly. Euphorbia. All the different plants that are sold. So, we have uh, when I was talking about for La Paz, there I, we had a lady, Deborah Stone, on our show who had just come back from La Paz, and her mm-hmm. photos of the cactus out there, and she was talking about the big cactus, you know. Those would be the Cardones, and, yeah, and right. Were, but they looked like, I thought they looked like organ pipe cactus. And well, so, there are some, their organ pipe cactus are found there down there, too. They're okay, also found there. They're, they're, they're down in the same area, but the Cardones are the more saguaro-looking yeah. ones for the immense size they attain. I mean, there's, I mean, they're, you know. It's Cardone. Cardone, Cardone. Oh, right, yeah. And you know what? I love the Mexican garden here. Oh, my gosh, the sculptures are succulents. Oh, yeah, the chokeberry yeah. sculptures we have. You know, oh that's probably, of all the beauty we have in the garden, I have to say, those sculptural topiaries, these dancers and whatnot and yeah. waiters and the mariachis that we have in yeah, the Tokyo, they are probably the most photographed area in the entire garden. I, I, I just wanted to go hang out with them. <laughs> right. you know, sure. do. So, so can you take, you know, I used to have this armored statue. I called him Franklin. <laughs> you know, those metal statues. And I looked at it, I'm like, we could have planted, you know, succulents all over yeah, him. You could have. Right. Yeah. It worked quite well. With a little moss. You know, so, you know there's... Fortunately, you see a lot more appreciation of the way we need to be more conscious about water conservation, the way people garden now. I mean, this mm-hmm. is—I mean, people in San Diego County, and I take—I think our gardens should take some responsibility for it. We have 21 of our 40-plus different vignettes of garden examples are actually good examples of water conservation here. And water conservation mm-hmm. is a huge issue, and it's only going to get worse. 
I mean, we are going to yeah. be more and more challenged yeah. to make better use of the water we have. We also use recycled water in a major portion of the garden, too, which is water we get to use more than one time, which is incredibly important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that you haven't touched on, but I'm sure you must have checked out, we have two children's gardens here. Oh, we, the, we, we played in the Hamilton the, we Garden, yeah, and I want to go play right. in the treehouse. Oh, you should. It's the the vultures at the top, I mean, come on, they're cool. cool. <laughs> I was, and the, well, if she played with the drums. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, the, in the music garden. Yeah. yeah, there's all the different things. <laughs> you know, the idea behind that, though, you know, we're a self-supporting botanic garden, so we have to be very mindful of, you know, making sure people... Well, we want to be visitor-centered. We want yeah. to make sure that we have something that people want and enjoy. But you know what? There's, thankfully, and I think great hope in our future for the world in this sense, there's a lot of young parents out there that do believe their children should not just grow up indoors. You know, when right. I was a child, if I misbehaved, I was sent to my room as a form of punishment. Right. Now, it's almost the opposite. Right. If you take a kid from his room, he's crying because yeah. he doesn't want to leave his television, his video games, and everything else he's got right. in there. Go but you outside. know, when you see children here in this garden, they're not playing their video games. They are still immersing themselves mm-hmm. in the wonder and beauty of nature, and that's where they should be to have their imagination stimulated. Not by, I don't, I'm not, I'm not against all the information they have available. To, I use my computer, I use my, yeah, we have, my phone to access all this information too, but at the same time a child needs to be provided the opportunity to have their maturation, their development, particularly at a young age, in the wonder and beauty of nature. That's the way we evolve as people. But but that's well, also be teaching them to be stewards of nature, stewards of the precisely. land. And that's important because, look, we are. it is going to get rougher. And if we don't have, if they're not equipped, that is they're so going to well really put. battle. They're going to so, battle. So, that well, is so if, well put. If all you really do have is your cell phone, your computers, and your four walls, and there's nothing outside... You know, there's no, a story I have to tell you about how divorced we become. When we opened the Hamilton Children's Garden, there's an area there we call Incredible Edibles. And the whole, mm-hmm. whole idea behind that is to show children and their families where mm-hmm. your food comes from. Right. Because there's no virtual food. See, we depend yeah. on nature for all right. of our food, right? Well, there's a little boy who walks into there, and we have a large orange-covered bowl. I mean, it's got five feet of diameter. And we grow tomatoes and cilantro and garlic and peppers in there, all the things that make up that make us salsa, Right. Little boy walks in there. He says, "Mommy, mommy, mommy! Look! They put all those tomatoes on that plant." He never saw where me? tomatoes came from before. Are you kidding me? No, no, way. it's true. I didn't see it. It was one of our docents who related wow. the story. He says, "Julian, you'll never believe what I overheard this little boy tell his mommy." Well, now he's going to remember. He's going to know that. Well, tomatoes don't come from the store. Know, they don't come in a plastic bag. Well, we always scary. talk about that on radio shows, but to hear an actual story about it, it freaks it's, me it, out. It, 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 it's so happened scary. real time here. Well, you know, and I'm sure it happens often where kids learn where their food comes and from. The herb garden. See, what I think is really neat about herb gardens is it teaches people that you can use herbs in your cooking. Right. instead of preservative crunch right. that no. happens in cooking right. no. and to keep it fresh. Well, there's yeah. more and more information yeah. about this highly processed food that we're so exposed to and, so, right. and kids are inundated with the marketing focused on this. But the other thing that we've learned too, and we learned it in our little original Seeds and Wonder Children's Garden, our docents would take, in the right season, there'd be lettuces and other things you'd make a salad out mm-hmm. of, right? And they'd take and let the children, let the children do this now, not the adults, mm-hmm. but they'll let the kids pick some lettuce leaves. They had a little spinner there, and they'd put some other things in there, and they'd cool. make a salad. And guess what? The parents would be standing there, mouth agape, because they'd never saw their children eat a salad before. It was the first time. And you know what it tells us? Mm-hmm. It's simple things like that. If you can show children where their food comes from, but also have them involved in preparation of it, Kids right. will develop healthy eating habits, and that's what we need to kind of counter. You know, when we when the Olympics was, you know, McDonald's. Okay, McDonald's is, is a lot, but anyway, 
our star athletes are holding Big Macs. Right. And what no, is the message? This is like, what, you need to become like them? No, that's not true. That's the antithesis of that. You know, you need to eat healthy food. You need healthy food that's fresh and or ideally organic, sustainably produced, and it doesn't have all this processed garbage in it that we know is bad. Yeah, you right. know now that when you say healthy to many people, they right away, God, well, I don't want to eat any of that healthy stuff. It's not, not going to taste tasty. good. Right. It's yeah. gonna, well, that's know, why you have and, herbs. Well, I know, but you know that it really but is. But we've also lost the flavor because of the genetically modified stuff and pesticides. Well, we, we, and, and the coloring of, agents. Well, a lot of it. I, I'm not against GMO stuff myself entirely. That's another whole topic we can talk about another time. But I'll tell you, a lot of what is gone into producing our food is to producing food that has long shelf life and travels right. well. Right, I know. And that's where the flavors have been that's lost. That's it. It all goes away. All it goes, goes away. away. I mean, I mean, you know, so many tomatoes that you buy today in the store, they don't even taste like a tomato because, you know, there's, they're, they're, they mm-hmm. are bred, whether it's, whether genetically or otherwise, you know, just by through breeding mm-hmm. process, to have a long shelf well, life. Look at that block of cheese the other day. I took the block of cheese we just purchased out of the refrigerator and I looked at the expiration date and right. it was 2020. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, wait <laughs> a minute. What? How could it possibly be that long? I know. It wasn't I mean, wrapped in, in, you know, it's, in, well, oh it wasn't but, South African cheese. In South Africa, I know you've been but, to South I mean, Africa to yeah, make right. some good cheese. It, it, I was just shocked. It was like October 19th of 2020. Oh, man. Wow, I'm that like, sounds kind what of scary. Kind of yeah, what kind, yeah, what kind of health benefits are this? Speaking of good food, <laughs> the yeah. subtropical uh, fruit garden. You that know, is cool. You know, that is really cool. You know, and again, this is actually that garden was established very early on after the garden first opened in 1970. And then it was the effort to try to show people some of the more unusual things that you mm-hmm. didn't get to see commonly grown here, you know. And there are still a lot of unusual things that you'll see in there that you wouldn't see in a typical garden or whatever. But now, even the common stuff, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, <laughs> travel, you know, Orange County. Why is Orange County called Orange County? Because you used to drive oh, through there and the smell of orange blossoms yeah. permeated everywhere you were. Yeah. Well, find an orange grove in Orange County now. No, well, Disneyland took it. Well, in many respects. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, well, yeah, but well, they the, did. They but, bought but, it all out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Big chunk of it. Yeah, yeah, right. No, they did. But other things, too. I mean, well, we've had it happen around me since <laughs> when I first came here 21 years ago. Yeah. There were a lot of little farms right around the garden mm-hmm. here. It's all houses now. You know, we can't fault everybody for wanting to live here and wanting to live in a house. I live in a house. You know, when yes. I moved here from Indianapolis 21 years ago, uh, granted, I was one of the ones that said, okay, now that I'm here in San Diego County, nobody, nobody else, else needs to come. move here. Yeah, right? Right, that's right, it. Right. Shut the doors, right? <laughs> Obviously, that's not reasonable. But, but no, it's and, and the urbanization of the world. But that's why these places of that we preserve and treasure as nature and places to be re-reminded mm-hmm. of how we are part of that and depend yes. on that is so important to us because, um, you know, the world is urbanizing. You know, what was it, about five years ago is when the world population became more urban than rural. You know, Mm -hmm. there's more people living in cities. And that's a trend that's going to continue. But we need to have this connection. We need to be positively connected to not the virtual world, not that that's bad, it's entertaining, fine and dandy, but it's never going to produce our air. It's never going to produce our water. It's never going to produce our food. And unless we, like you said earlier, People need to be better stewards of these things. Mm-hmm. We have to be protective of these things. We have to be we have to be intimately involved in understanding and knowing how we can be better stewards of the planet. And I Absolutely. think it's really great that you are in an urban setting. And I think it's important to have 
gardens, parks, you know, we're national park lovers. It is in in an urban Mm -hmm. area, so they're available and it balances out smog and all that stuff too. I mean you need these green green areas. We're an oasis for the local wildlife here. A lot of people come to this garden just to word dirt bird watch. Yeah, I bet because because we have over the years we've had like over two hundred species of birds that have been identified that use this garden. Either in their migratory routes, which is Mm -hmm. important, you know, kind of stopping off place for them to get refuels, get some water, some you know eat some bugs or whatever. And also the resident birds that we have here too. No. It's an oasis. Well it's an oasis but Okay, by having all the plants here, are you you're creating and keeping an ecosystem that is supposed to be in place, right? Right. Yeah, that's part of it too. Well, in fact, I mentioned with thirty-seven and a half acres here, eight of those acres are actually plants in situ. In other words, before there were people here, some of these plants and those kind of mm-hmm. communities existed in the way they still exist, just within our eight acres. So it's and, like a wilderness space. Well, it's called native plants, native people. In fact, there's an interesting story about that because. When I first got here, people would walk through our native area, the coastal sage grub maritime chaparral, which we know is a very endangered habitat here just in coastal southern California. This mm-hmm. goes into northern Baja. But there's many, many unique species that make this up. But to us as humans, we kind of look at it and say, well, you know, it's kind of scrubby and, you know, and it wasn't that you know, immediately oppressive, impressive to people. And people walk through a native area and they come back and say, oh, when are you going to do something with that? It was like stabbing me in the oh, heart. Oh, no. So what we did <laughs> no. was, what we did was, we took our whole I, I, interpretive I. sort of theme of this and we turned it around. We said, well, maybe if we tell people how, before the Europeans even came over here, mm-hmm. there were native humans here, the Kumeyaay mm-hmm. in our case, right. that were living here and derived absolutely everything, everything. they need to live very successfully, mm-hmm. by the way, from this habitat type. And so, in fact, it was it was amazing. We 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 were able to connect with um, a Kumeyaay elder by the name of Jane Dumas, and she. I'm not a very spiritual person for the most part myself, but this woman had a special aura about her, and she was helping us identify the uses of the native plants to the Kumeyaay culture. Now, the Kumeyaay language was never written, so Mm. we had to basically get it orally from her, and that's what our interpretive trail is all about now. But she was going around, there were like three or four of us following her around, and she was telling us the Kumeyaay names and also the uses of the plants. And we're writing all this down like intensely. It was was amazing, amazing. But then she came up, this is a woman at the time, and I'm talking 15 years ago, she was in her mid-70s at the time. She's passed on now, sadly, but... She looked at this one plant and then turned around and looked at us and she was apologizing. She said, you know, I'm not certain of the Kumeyaay name of this plant. But then she excused her not knowing. But she says, but you know, when I was a little girl, I was sent to Indian school and told them I should never speak my language again and everything about my culture was bad. At that moment, Ooh, those of us wow. following her around that are so Ooh. intent that you could have hit us with a baseball bat for the impact, suddenly we had to realize what her life experience was like mm-hmm. when she was told as a little girl that yeah, she should yeah. never speak her language again. See, oh, but now, a lot of Native Americans were renamed. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Her yeah. Yeah. Off, renamed. Yeah. It, okay, well, this is interesting for us because we've interviewed uh, a number of Native American leaders and um, just... In, oh, the in treatment the of those people around the world is absolutely but atrocious. The, the yes. thing to, it's horrible. However, now the storytelling has been always oral. And so now a lot of the tribes are trying to get together and to learn about each other, to at least unify 
yeah. to actually remember their history and pass it down because everything has that's exactly what happened to her sure it's the same thing yeah, so was... now you know for Native Americans to come here the Kumayais to come here and actually see part of their history especially for the youth they'll actually be able to keep moving forward and understanding their history well, their when ancestry we, when we open what we call Native plants Native people here Jane came and she gave us a blessing mm. in Aww. both Kumeyaay and English, nice. and it was a very, very oh, spiritual sort of time. It really mm. was. It was very special. So that and that experience with her is something that I'll always remember. It's one of the most poignant experiences I've had at the garden in all those years I've been here. I want to talk a little bit about the conservation of plants. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about a lot about wildlife conservation. Um, we deal a lot about illegal wildlife trafficking, um, animals being taken for the wild to be in captivity or places like in a right, Las Vegas I, swimming pool, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, right, you're, yeah. you're familiar about a lot of those issues. And when it, I always go, well, what about the plants? You know, I'm, a, I'm always a plant person <laughs> mm-hmm. because to me, without the plants, you can't have the animals. Without the animals, you can't you know, have the it's, plants. It's, and I used to work in zoos, and I think zoos have, during my career uh, in zoo work, zoos have really become very serious about their role in conservation. And I, I take a great deal of some personal pride in that, too. In fact, I was involved, one of the, one of the flagship species for North American zoos was the Siberian tiger, which we really made a focus about the fact that we needed to have this reserve population of those animals because the outlook for them, and it still is, doesn't look like we're no, going to yeah. probably be around much longer in the wild. And 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 um, now the goal is always to kind of hopefully there'll be habitat we can reintroduce mm-hmm. these things. But now working in a botanic garden, I have to admit it's pretty frustrating because the San Diego Zoo, one of the premier zoos in the world, does a wonderful, wonderful job in conservation and breeding many different rare and endangered animals, learning about them, learning how to take care of them, both in habitat as well as in, in captivity. You know, the habitat becomes more and more managed all the time around the world, and zoos are becoming more and more you know, expressive in terms of how they take care of things in natural environments. So- Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. It's almost like they're on a convergent path, in fact. But here in the Botanic Garden, the challenge is how do we get people excited about the foundation of conservation is always the plants. The foundation of life on Earth is the plants. Yes. The foundation of how we harvest the energy from the sun and turn it into food and everything else that we depend on are the plants. Mm-hmm. That's photosynthesis. And it's challenging to get people excited about plants because you can relate to the pandas and the tigers and the elephants mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you show them a cycad, for instance, which was an incredibly endangered group of plants around the world. And they say, well, that's kind of a spiky thing. It looks like a miniature palm tree. Why should I be cared about that? Well, we need to be careful and care about all the different parts that we have. We have, I believe, as humans, have a responsibility to preserve these things. I mean, whether you're religious and you believe they're a gift from God or whatever, it doesn't matter. We are the ones that have the responsibility to care for the rest of the planet that we are part of and depend on as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, we, we had an experience. If you, I can tell you about the psychiatric experience yes, that we absolutely. had there. You know? we, before, you, before you go into the psychiatric experience, 
Can you explain why a cycad is important to its surroundings? What the, the role well, it plays it's, in it's, the it, natural it, side? You know, it's very difficult to, to be able to... We, our knowledge of the ecosystems around the world is just, has expanded tremendously mm-hmm. over the last 25, 50 years, in fact. But literally, we're still scratching the surface. We don't know. You know, one of the the best examples of of, uh, why we should be preserving all the things that we have available to them, because we just don't know how they work, is is comparing it to an incredibly rich tapestry. A tapestry that's mm-hmm. made, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. It's made of literally thousands, probably millions of different individual threads. You lose a species, mm-hmm. you pull a thread out. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, maybe you don't notice it. But you continue pulling the threads out, and eventually the whole thing collapses. And you just don't know when that's going to happen. <gasps> you just ruined Carol King's <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, like. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, Carol. If you you unravel one little string, then the strings on the other side are now loose, and eventually... Well, exactly. That's why it's a a great metaphor. You have no shirt on your back anymore. And if you think about it, if there's no plants, there's no oxygen. And I don't know what we're all going to breathe. But yeah, and there's that, certain yeah. I know that there are certain birds that feed off of. I mean, the cycads have an incredible fruit thing that comes well, out they, of the center. Well, that's a cone. Actually, they yeah, do, and there are animals that depend on that. But if we lost the cycads, would be would everything collapse? We don't know. I mean, yeah. but, but the point is, we need to be. It's a moral obligation we have. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be saying, "Well, we don't care about that species because it's not important." In this one, we no. I mean, or it's not bright pink. I, it is, yeah, right, exactly. Because it doesn't got the <laughs> it right color. Doesn't go with my it, garden. Well, yeah, it doesn't go. Doesn't go with my Gucci outfit or whatever, you know. I, but but um, <laughs> but but so so cycads yeah. were a dominant form of of. Um, the flora on the planet predating the dinosaurs. They they're were they're ancient. part of our they're part of our 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 history of life on Earth, and and now granted things have changed and there are other plants that have outcompeted them. So there's these rare plants, but now they are valuable. They are valuable mm-hmm. to a lot of people. In fact, that's one of the biggest threats to cycads is the fact that they get poached. People steal them from habitats. South Africa is a good example where yes. many were found, and there's some that are only recently become extinct in habitat because they've been stolen out of habitat. We serve as a rescue botanic garden here. The federal government, which has rules about controlling the welfare of wildlife, you mentioned CITES, is the, yeah. Center, uh, the, the uh, Convention on International Trade and Endangered Species it stands for, and that's regulation that basically literally umbrellas across nations so that we work collectively to pr- protect mm-hmm. species mm-hmm. to be so you mm-hmm. just can't go kill an elephant and legally bring ivory into the country anymore basically right. that's just the verboten you know and we should all know about that right and there's all cycads likewise they're listed as endangered species and they're controlled well there are nefarious people just like they are with ivory imported mm-hmm. illegal ivory mm-hmm. that they kill elephants for there are people who steal cycads out of habitat and import them because there's high prices and there's collectors out there that are willing to pay a very very high price for a plant that's 50 or 100 years old the seedlings might be available but they don't want to you know they don't want to wait around for that they want to have a big one in their collection or whatever and that's the biggest threat just like rhinos and elephants are threatened because right. of that mm-hmm. cycads are threatened around the world because of human avarice People are willing mm. to take them regardless of how they're found or gotten and what, and just so they can con- have those things in their possession. We received over 15 different mature cycads, some of them in excess of 100 years old, that were legally imported out of South Africa, confiscated here, and entrusted to us. Our staff worked extremely hard to 
returned these plants to health because they were in poor shape when we got them for the treatment they received. They did that over several months. And then we finally plant them out in the garden because our goal is, of course, to have these plants right. reproduce themselves. You know, all things are mortal. If they don't reproduce themselves, they're going to be extinct, right? So right. our goal is to actually have reproduction happen here. We get them out after nurturing them for months to get into the garden. They're in the garden for about three or four months, and guess what? They get stolen again. The same plants that were ripped out of habitat, <laughs> poached rude. out of South That's Africa, mean. come here. There are people that snuck in the garden at night and actually stole these same plants again. I mean, it's an, imagine these plants and writing their own stories. What's the matter with me? How come I get stolen all the time? Yeah, what, you know, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Well, I made the decision to actually go to the meeting with trepidation mm -hmm. because I didn't want to advertise, well, gee, there's valuable plants in the garden. Climb other friends. You can you know, go out and mm -hmm. sell them at the swap meet or whatever and, and, and make them whatever it is. I don't mean to be against swap meets either because somebody complained about it. And I said, said that once before. But, but the fact is there are people who are willing to pay mm -hmm. really big amounts of money for these plants and they don't care about where they came from. So I went to the media and I, you know, and again, back to the story about we often don't get to talk about the conservation mm -hmm. story. Thankfully, the media was very interested because I think the human aspect of it, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that they were poached once before, you know, entrusted yeah. to us, and then our staff works like crazy to kind of bring them back to the health with the goal that we're finally going to breed these rare plants and they get stolen again. And it also allowed me to tell the fact is that these plants that were entrusted to us to care for really weren't our plants. They are the property of the federal government. So the theft became a federal offense. Now that was also a part and part of the story mm -hmm. here. And lo and behold, but about 10 days after the media, and we had TV as well as print. Good. Good, actually, it gave, mm -hmm. it gave us the opportunity to tell the yeah. conservation story about psychids. The reason psychids are endangered is because people steal them. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and whether out of habitat or from a garden. And, and uh, about 10 days later, we got an anonymous phone call left on our answering machine saying, I think I know where you can find your plants. We never found out who perpetrated the crime, but we went up to a remote Gopher Canyon Road location mm. in San Diego County here, and there where it was another surreal part of this experience for the staff because you know how people are illegal dump things, mm -hmm. you know? They wash machines. Or oh, yeah, they do that in the desert for yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, so stupid. Anyway, so yeah. there was a couple places up there where that hadn't been cleaned up yet, and there are, next to this discarded washing machines and TVs and whatnot, there are our most valuable plants in the world discarded there. I beat up a second time. Poor things. We got them all back, though. Mm. All of them but one survived. And it was probably the most rarest of all of them and the oldest of them. It was probably a plant about 200 years old in Cephalotus and Apinus, now extinct in habitat. It no longer That's exists sad. in habitat in South Africa. The last ones have been poached out of habitat. They're gone. The only ones that exist now are in gardens where we're finally giving them safe harbor. But this one plant was the one that just couldn't take the second offense and it didn't survive for it. It tried. It sent out some leaves. It sent out some roots. But it eventually it's, you know, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Somebody is so into having a plant that the thing they love, they are responsible for killing. Killing. Is it it's so well, weird. You know, it's, it's kind of well, akin it's just to like people. drugs. Yeah, right. But yeah. it's also kind of akin to how stolen art yes. gets out in yes. people's collections. Yeah. You know? There are yeah. people, it's, it's, it's human average. I mean, there, there's, there's this. Um, the, one of the bad sides of humans yeah. <laughs> is this desire to to own things, to yeah. have to have but that, them. But that's, and you're a collector, and you want to, and you desire to have this thing so much, you don't care. That's how it's an obtained. emptiness. That's an emptiness. Oh, and it's, and, and, really it's, and there's an education process that people have to have. I believe that 
you know, I love that you're focusing so much on kids coming to the garden because when you are in a garden, you get that love, but you understand how it's connected to everything else. And so you can stand back and watch a butterfly on a flower and not have to box the butterfly in. You, you, you see you what I mean? You see it, yeah. Right, right. Exactly. So, that, so I Knowing think where they that, should be. that's yeah. again going back to education, bringing the kids in, and right. really it helps alleviate the, the thievery you know, that happens yeah, because right, then they yeah. have this, that's the stewardship. The tr- well, yeah. you know, it's important for children to, even coming through the garden here, in fact, it's, you know, one of the things that I, I have to say, there are some older people, when we first started talking about doing a children's garden, they said, oh, no, that's going to be terrible. The kids are going to just mess up the garden. But you know what? They don't. Mm. And the reason they don't is the fact mm. that, well, they're there with their parents, first of all. And I think that's, in, you know, and some parents are better than others, admittedly. But, but for the most part, parents, are, they have the opportunity to train their children about what, the, what, what responsible behavior is about. And also the fact that, hey, the flowers in the garden there, you can't pick those flowers because they're for here and everybody to enjoy. But look at them. Enjoy them as they are. Mm-hmm. If you take them, they're going to wither and die in your home, but then right. nobody else will get to right. see them. Right, right. And I think that's an important lesson for you. You know, another important lesson, too, is the fact that I tell people, you know, kids on their video games, they can blow up half the world and there's no consequence. But a kid outdoors exploring in a natural area, he's going to learn what his limitations are. The real world is always going to be the top, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's we have to learn what, you know, if you run too fast, you're going to fall down. In fact, there's a little boy here. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. On Tuesday, he'd fallen down, he scraped his leg. Well, he probably learned from that. He was crying, his mom was kind of, you know, washing yeah. it off or whatever. But he learned from the fact that there are limitations to what we should do. And I think yeah. that you don't get that in the virtual world. No, you don't. And no, that's don't. where that's where I think gun violence and things like that, when you're blowing things up, you're you don't right. understand. We were in the process of doing our first children's garden, the Seeds of Wonder Children's Garden, right after Columbine. Mm. And I remember going before the city council, and I didn't have to say too much as to why we needed a place where children could be understanding of how life should be respected. Mm-hmm. That is something that is a precious, precious mm-hmm. thing. Whether it's our own lives or the lives of the plants or the animals or whatever, life should be respected. And I think kids can get that respect if they're in the right environment to learn those things. If they grow their own garden, yeah. they understand right. right away. Exactly. They see the bugs come in. They see the relationship. You yeah. Know, the, sure. And, sure. and if they grow vegetables and then they, they get to cook them or make, make salads salad. right. like exactly. here, then, uh, you know, they, they really, they, well, yeah, first of all, they've accomplished something, mm-hmm. they understand something, and there's compassion. We, we, one of the things value. that we do here, we started by one of our volunteers some years ago, and he's passed on now, but we continue to do it. We, we actually grow little succulent cuttings, mm. and we allow children who come here to repot that and take it home, no charge. Oh, that's so cool! And you know, so. and, I can, and I and I can relate to this because I have to mm-hmm. say that my interest in nature and the things that I've been able to so enjoy in my life, which has been the most valuable part of my enjoyment of mm-hmm. life, is is the fact that I get to be around people who like it as well, mm-hmm. but also and enjoy the yeah. wonder and beauty of nature, right? But I can remember when my grandmother, my dad's mm-hmm. mother, told me I could take a little branch of her coleus plant. 
Of course. Oh, yeah, I yeah. could take it yeah. home and yeah. put it in cool. the water. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I waited and was careful and changed the water so it didn't mm-hmm. get dirty or whatever, that it would grow roots and I'd yeah. have my own plant. And I can still remember the morning yeah. that I got up and there were little white things sticking yeah. out, which were the beginnings yeah. of roots for that yeah. new plant that I was helping. And it's it's a uniquely kind of human experience to be able to do things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that also is important for children to realize. And these little succulents yeah. that they take home, they're durable plants that they forget to water them for a month, they're still gonna survive. But if they do give them a minimal amount of care, they're gonna have this experience, probably the first cool, time mm-hmm. in their lives, wow, I took care of that. Look, it grew. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a beautiful plant. And it's a beautiful Coleus, plant, yeah. right, exactly. I know Lisa, she's so into eating vegetables because she used to grow her own. Right. As a yeah. kid. Yep. Right, yeah. Well, and the succulents, it's a good thing we're on the ho- on the road permanently and we're, we're not, we don't have a home because we, we really miss gardening. <laughs> that's but this oh, is, this is that's what, what I learned. Miss. I love succulents because you can just keep, you can keep yeah. growing them everywhere. Yeah. Right. So you're really lucky that we're, we're not having, we don't have a house anymore because we're, we're, but we, we like to nip and tuck. <laughs> well, but we could actually <laughs> put like a succulent garden on the top of the car. I know. Well, you know, I've, the seen that. I've seen yeah. that. There's a good I'm friend of ours. A good friend of ours from uh, Mississippi. His name is uh, Felder Rushing. He has a TV show too, uh, or rather, a radio show. He does weekly, anyway. But he he took his whole pickup truck and he planted the bed of it with a garden. He has his That's garden. Super cool. Oh, yeah, cool. Right. That is super cool. Yeah. Okay. Last question. You've got all these incredible sculptures everywhere. Yeah. So uh-huh. you've got a sculpture garden. So you're incorporating art. We are. You know, um, when you think about the nature of art and where art finds its inspiration, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's performance art or graphic arts or whatever. It is nature. And so the environment mm-hmm. that we have here is perfect for the display of sculpture. And what we do is, yeah, in fact, we're, we're right now in the transition zone. We, we've, this will be the fifth year. We, we bring in about 40 different sculpt, well, actually about 30 different sculptors, mm-hmm. and they have over 40 different pieces of sculpture on display here in the garden. They're also on display, but people can buy them if they want to. And there's all variety. There's, there's things you can buy for a, uh, well, a couple thousand dollars, and they go all the way up to fifty thousand dollars if your budget mm-hmm. allows you to do it. They're beautiful, beautiful pieces. The artists love to put their art in the garden yeah, because it looks so beautiful here. Really I love nice. the Joker in the children's yes. oh, garden. I, yeah, right. I love the Joker. Yeah. I love. The, oh, okay. Wait. Last last question. What is the plant that looks like? It's oh like a bottle gosh. brush, but it's yellow and, and it's, it has like a cone. So it looks like it's, it's an a Australian. Corn. It's got to be Australian. It looks. It's got. It looks like oh, you're going to stump the, the chunk now. Here yellow, we are in the garden. Like a, it's it, at the entrance when you go in. If you go to the right, well, it may be one of our. Some of the agaves have a spear like that. If it's if, if it's a, if it's, it's, if not, it's no. it has a basal kind of wide leaf. It's it's, it's no, not an agave. It it's more, more like, like a, a bottle brush, but it's yellow and it starts out like stiff. a little cone. And then well, it's sudden, pro- it could very well be one of the Banksias then. Which are, oh, I think it is, because I did see one South over there. Because sure. it looks kind of like the leaf is like a protea leaf. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That's yeah. probably what it is then. Yeah, a lot of those grow very well here. So we have a fairly large that number of different ones. That is a very ones. strange you know, place. You know, There's some well, you know, things it, here. You know, it's, 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 it's one of the things, too. It's really interesting. Those plants... Um, those bottle brush like plants, mm-hmm. those ones that have, I mean, the, not the true bottle brushes with yeah. the clusamins, but the other ones that are banksias and the other proteria family ones, their flowers have evolved not to be pollinated by butterflies or birds, which typically don't have to sit on the mm-hmm. leaf or the petal of the All plant. Right. They're actually pollinated by little, uh, in the case of Australia, there's a lot of little mouse opossums. 
that go up and crawl oh. up into those flowers and have to hang on to them to be able to lick the pollen of the, and the yeah. nectar that they're in there to feed on. And so, so the flower has a whole different design to it because it's a really durable flower because the little animal has to climb See, on it. See, that's how so that's cool. So that's what cool. I love about nature. It's like there's something, like you were saying earlier, we don't know everything yet. No, so we no, could be we taking don't. something away right, and you yeah. don't know about I mean, there's an agave. I always talk about this. I remember once I was writing an article back when we were Southwest Blend, okay, about butterflies and planting uh, the right things in your garden for butterflies. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, this turned into like a thesis <laughs> because I got into now, you know, there's puddling, how they like to go in the water. And then, I mean, it got into this every, you know, species. And, right. And well, then it's, I was, it's a complicated story. I got, really I got, I, I, I mean, this was just crazy what I got into, but it was cool. Mm -hmm. But I learned that out in the desert, out in the Shelter Valley area, and Zabrego, and just in that one zone, because, again, microclimates, mm -hmm. there's an agave out there, and there's this one kind of butterfly, and I think it's a skipper, a white kind of skipper. If it, this agave blooms, or the yucca, I'm going to get it, it's a yucca, blooms every, like, 100 years or something crazy, 10 years, mm -hmm. 100 years, and if people take that down... This little butterfly will not exist. It is the only place it gets its sure. food source. Yeah. Yeah. There's That's lots of crazy. examples like that. Yeah. In fact, some of the plants we have in our little Hawaiian section here, we mm -hmm. have one of the most iconic sort of endangered plants from Hawaii. It's called Brighamian Cygnus. And, and and I think the Hawaiian Hawaiian name of my Hawaiian friends will not like my pronunciation. Olahu, I think. Oa. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to try it in Hawaii. Aloha. Not really yeah. Aloha. No, <laughs> okay. no. But Aloha. Is, anyway. But it only exists now when people are there to pollinate it, to produce seed, wow. because its pollinator is extinct. Well, and the, the see, plant would be is, yeah. the plant would be extinct see? as well if it wasn't for the fact that we humans can be stewards in this case of caring for that plant, and preserving its existence. This is crazy. We've see? got to protect it all, man. I go crazy with that. Well, yeah, because we haven't studied enough to know all the ramifications of any one species. No, it's just like no, doctors right. are finding one. something new every day. Yeah. What they thought sure. was what yeah. you should do, yeah. they're like, oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh, it's not that way. It's, it's this way. This way yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. you can drink coffee. Good. <laughs> okay, last question. I always ask this when we're talking about gardens and for our garden gossip shows and, and uh, guests that come on. If you could house it, any house in the world for a weekend, what would it be? Well, you already live in a botanical I garden. Do. I do. I live right outside. I'd probably stay in my own house. Dude, yeah, I, I know. Anywhere. I'm just like, dude, this is crazy. <laughs> that's, not a good, that's not a good question for me. Because okay. I say, but, but, right I mean, you travel. You, well, I do. Come well, you know, think about but it. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I was out in the garden earlier today, in fact, and I was talking about our cork oak trees and the cork oak trees. Oh, are, I love those. those are they were planted during World War II because during World War II, the Axis powers had taken over Portugal and Spain where cork comes from. The Department of Agriculture was distributed being seedling cork oak trees in Southern California. You know, hard for us to imagine now, but, you know, the wow. during the war, the outcome of the war had not been decided yet. So there were things that were and being done. And the peace came from that? I mean, there's all kinds of right, stuff. Right, right. And so, so, um, huh. but I was telling people about, you know, the, the beautiful cork oak grove that we have here. And, and I'm saying, well, you know, I really like this place. I says, but, I, you know, every time I walk in another area of the garden, I love the one I'm with, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Because there's, everything's so different. Yeah. And yeah. so how can you pick one when there's when there's so many yeah. things? Yeah, and I, and I, even if I had places to go live in the world, I probably would never move from here. But if, For one the, weekend. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to be in no Madagascar in, no in November, and I'm sure it's going to be my favorite oh, when my I'm gosh. there. I know. <laughs> you yeah. Corbias and oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. Madagascar is like a whole other. It's going to be like Galapagos. You know, I think visiting Madagascar would be the closest you could come to visiting another planet with life forms. Right. Both the plants and the mm -hmm. animals. Everything that's native there 
is found, 80% of it isn't found anywhere else. Yeah. So everything you encounter is going to be different. It's, it's cool. Absolutely yeah. cool. Absolutely cool. Everyone, uh, come out to the garden. San Diego Botanical Gardens in Encinitas, California. It is beautiful. It's spectacular. There's all kinds of events. Absolutely. And, and even if you don't care that much about plants, you'll want to come here for your own benefit of your physical and mental health. Take a walk. Oh, yeah. You Take know, a walk in nature. No, this place is a sanctuary, not just for the plants, but for people. Mm-hmm. We made this garden free to everybody for one month after the tragedy of 9-11, mm-hmm. knowing that people would need a place like this to heal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, throughout our lives, mm-hmm. we always come with these bumps in the road, and this garden is good for that, and you'll recharge your battery here at the San Diego Botanic Garden. Right on, and the website oh. is sdbgarden.org. That's right. All right, thank you so thank much. You. Pleasure, thank you. Thank you. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.